Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into the final week of the month of June. Yes, that's right, Pat. We are almost done with the month of June already. Six months out of the year. Gone, dusted. See you later. Adios, finito. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. Goodbye. That is unbelievable to me. Um, but I do have a question, though, Pat. How was your Pride weekend? My Pride weekend? Yeah, your Pride weekend, Pat. How, how was it? I, I don't celebrate Pride month so i don't understand what you're asking here because i don't know about you but i felt a ton of pride this weekend i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm still confused to where you're going here i i think i know where you're going but uh is pride really the right word joyful yes yes joyful i was i was but i also I was feel that. proud so proud. Yes, yes, I was that too. 30 minutes after we get done recording Friday's show, right? Yeah, and talking about, huh, I wonder if this or this or this uh, could be possible, right? Yeah, um, that wasn't annoying at all, by the way. No, not at all. It wasn't yeah. like, hey, let's go ahead and redo the entire show. <clears throat> but um, yes, we are talking about Roe versus Wade, the overturning of Roe versus Wade and Casey in the Jackson's Women's Health versus Dobbs case. Um, striking it down and remanding it back to the states. And, um, of course, the insanity ensued. And notice how the vast majority of the insanity that ensued were in places, Pat, where your abortion <clears throat> rights are not going away. 
Um, like LA, speaking, yeah. Chicago, San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., yada, 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 right? All of your progressive hellholes. What, what right do you have that isn't being taken away? I don't understand that, first and foremost, right? So what I understand it in like a state like Wisconsin or you know, the the 15 other states that immediately reverted back to pre-row status, potentially. But we knew the insanity was going on. In fact, Arizona was probably the most insane, right? Where they tried to take over the Capitol and hold um, legislatures hostage. A literal insurrection. Like an actual one. Not a, hey, I went into the Capitol and took pictures kind of insurrection. Uh, but that's all to the side for me. And what I want to deal with here on today's show is just two very simple things. The Constitution and morality. Because what I found over the weekend is that both sides were talking past each other, which is exactly what I thought would happen. Because... They're not ever speaking the same language anymore, right? You've got the right, you got the left, and they're not speaking on the same language. But when you would make the, okay, so let's, let's, let's deal to the side of the morality. Tell me about the Constitution and what does the Constitution tell us about Roe versus Wade, right? When you would try to make that argument to the leftists out there, like – I've, I've seen this all over my Facebook page, right? People are like, okay, well, um, you may morally think that's something that you would want available to you, but what, where in the Constitution is that guaranteed to you? See, because the, the Bill of Rights and the amendments to the Constitution and the laws of our nation are what? They're supposed to be rights or ways to protect rights. And so if you went and had that argument, it went all the way into left field, right? You could never get them into talking about what you wanted them to talk about and vice versa. And then when you went down the morality argument, it suddenly was about law for them. It, it was always a bait and switch. Always has been and always will be a bait and switch. So I want to talk about the constitutionality and then I want to talk about morality. Um, I have a lot of things to say here, but the first thing that I want to say, Pat, and I want your thoughts on this, is I thought the decision written by Alito was one of the most plain spoken, but also easy to understand constitutional decisions I have ever seen. It was easy to follow. The logic was easy. There were so many supporting documents, right? All from the founders all the way through, all the way up through Roe versus Wade and Casey versus whatever, right? So we go we go through all of those things. And and I'm 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 struck by this. Take aside your moral position on this. Again. Their job is not to decide your morality. Their job is to decide what the Constitution of the United States of America 
has to say on these topics, right? And Alito points this out plainly. There is nowhere, not just is the word abortion in the Constitution, but nowhere near a right to privacy. Just because a judge decides that uh, he or she or it or they or whatever wants to make up a, a right, does it actually exist when you look at the Constitution of the United States of America? It is plain English what they did here. They were never, ever ruling on the morality of abortion. They strictly were looking at the Constitution and what it says. And even, by the way, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of all of the heroes of the left, has told us what, Pat? That... Roe versus Wade is on constitutional shaky ground at best. Even the staunchest of the quote-unquote jurists from the left, of all time, by the way, thought, mm, I, I don't like the legal maneuvering that took place. So, first of all, I agree. I, I think the decision from Alito was was incredibly straightforward. Um, but you're right that people. What, what I've noticed on social media, and even in my own family, because I, I talked to my own family about this over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And while they morally support the overturn of Roe versus Wade, there's some things that they they don't like about it or don't understand about it, I think is is the more proper term. And mm-hmm. I had to explain to them like, okay, do, do you understand that that abortion is not illegal? It what it did, what what the overturn of Roe versus Wade did is it put the decisions of abortion back into states' rights. So each individual state can now decide their own stance on abortion. That being said, there is no precedent. There is nothing in our Constitution that says abortion is a right, that abortion is moral. There's nothing in there. So all the Supreme Court did is say, there's no grounds for this, therefore it cannot be constitutional. They're not saying, and this is what what people don't understand, they didn't make law. They did no such thing. Mm -hmm. And everyone's trying to say, oh, this this should be put to a vote and and the, uh, the, the Supreme Court should be making law. That's not what they did. They didn't make law. All they simply did is they overturned a law. And my favorite with this is like Jim Crow laws. At one point in this country, that was a constitutional and supposedly a moral thing. We all know them to not be. And it was eventually overturned. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened here. Mm-hmm. It's not a political decision. It is a interpreting the law and making sure that the law is executed the way that the law is written, not making law out of thin air. 
I mean, we we've and, and this is the part of the libertarian party that um that I struggle with, right? Is that um a large swath of the libertarian party is actually pro-abortion. And they claim that it's because choice, right? Um, freedom to choose as you wish. And my counter to that is then you're violating the very first principle of libertarianism, right? It's basically do no harm. I, I put it in that term. They, the party doesn't, right? But um, basically it's the non-aggression principle, right? Don't aggress against others who have not aggressed against you. Abortion violates that very term. You right. are murdering or aborting something that, or more importantly, someone that did nothing to you. Oh, well, what about in the no, case no, of uh, life of the mother and all those things? Those are rare. What about uh, rape and incest? Again, you also rare. So. I have had this argument time and time and time and time again with people that are libertarian and Republican who want this, but the, the case of rape and incest. You're giving right. them the inch so that they will take the mile. Well, well, no, no, no. Yes, you are, because the one, because what they want to do with that, why do they talk about rape, incest, and life of the mother? Why do they talk about that? Because here's the rub, Pat. If the mother was truly at harm of dying, what would they do? Oh, you know when the mother's most at harm? In the third trimester. Guess what? They would have to do then. Deliver if that the were the case, they would remove the baby via, via C-section and attempt to make the baby stay alive while the mother stays alive. Now, there's a difference between inducing a stillbirth, right? So somebody right. – so for instance, if there's a baby who might be born or a baby who's in the womb that um, might be missing a chromosome and won't survive in the outside world. Right. If it's going to do harm to the mother and the baby's already stillborn inside, you induce a birth, right? Right. You still birth the baby. There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. So when you give them that constitutional inch, right? When you say, hey, by the way, I'll tell you what, we'll compromise here. Here's our compromise. You're giving them the inch so they can take the mile because... What have they been doing with guns? What have they been doing with all sorts of constitutional rights? The separation of church and state is a great example of this. That is a wholly made-up term. Now, does that mean that there are not ways in which your public and private life cannot intersect? No. But the way that they can't intersect is if I became governor of the state of Illinois, I cannot declare that the state of Illinois will only allow Catholicism and everybody else will be persecuted, put in jail, and dead, right? I can't right. do that. That is what the Constitution says. I must respect somebody else's free exercise, and I cannot enforce or 
put in force my religion vis-a-vis the power of the state. But when it comes to this matter, constitutionally giving them that inch, well, then they're going to carve this exception and that exception and that exception and in whatever other bunk case that they possibly could to make sure that abortion on demand is a thing again in the United States of America all over the place. Furthermore, from a moral standpoint on on this very topic, when it comes, especially when it comes to rape and, and, and incest specifically, something bad happened to you. I get it. It's tra- it's traumatic. And I get that too. And I can't I can't imagine what that feels like. I can't. Yeah, and nobody who but, hasn't ever gone through it can. Right. I, I will say this though. The moral preening of a man will never know what it's like to be raped is insane. Right. One in ten men will be raped in their lifetimes. Whether that's by another man, a woman, or a they. It will happen to one in ten men. So yes, there are men who know exactly what you feel like. Now, they will never know the byproduct of that if it were to happen right 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 my my point is this though from from a moral standpoint is Mm -hmm. something bad happened to you why do you then get to turn around and then do something bad to someone else Mm -hmm. which is what you would be doing to your baby now this is where I've also said, especially women in this situation that, you know, that, that are considering abortion, they don't deserve my judgment. They do deserve my compassion. And, 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 and I say that as that's how it be, should be treated by everybody. Right. And um, compassion includes what? It includes the moral obligation to assist, right? To, right. To point them in direction of professional help to make sure that they're shown love, respect, kindness, dignity, which a lot of them feel has been stripped from them. Right. There's no judgment that should be passed. I don't ever understand anybody who judges somebody who was actually raped or, 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 uh, you know, had that familial situation going on. But what I'm what I'm saying is, especially for those that have had an abortion because of rape, uh, um, a lot of times they don't feel like they have anywhere else to go. You know, a lot of a lot of times this is these decisions are based off of emotional mm-hmm. and irrational decisions because you don't know what to do. You're scared. You're you're freaked out. You're emotional. You it, you you've been traumatized. So. What I'm saying is, is like, like to anyone that that's been through that and that has had an abortion because of that. I'm not judging you. Um, you know, no one should judge you. However, you know, the, my logic still stands. Why do you have the right to do something bad to someone else? 
Um, granted, they're not going to see it that way in the moment, but I, I, I could almost guarantee you, and, and we've had Mary Taylor on from uh, Pro-Life Utah. Um, she's been very open about this. She had an abortion many, many years ago mm-hmm. and regrets it to this day. Um, and so, yeah, and, and I think we have to be clear on compassion. Right. Okay. So we're not saying that we don't get to, because judgment ultimately comes from God, right? God is the one who gets to judge in the end. Right. But that doesn't mean that I have to support what you did. My right. compassion is in attempting to help you understand the thing that you did. My compassion comes in in listening to your story and in hearing it without me going, you're evil. Right. Because you already feel that, right? A lot of cases, we, we've heard it all the time, right? We've heard case after case after case. And not everybody feels this way. Some people are using this as birth control and we're not going down that route. But I, I want to come back to the Constitution here, Pat. Because at the end of the day here, right, that is what really matters. Now, what we have seen from the left here tells me all we need to know. Because what was the response? Rage, blah, 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 right? But what have we seen from the left when it comes to what is their response to, hey, this has been deemed unconstitutional? from a governmental and constitution standpoint. Well, we have the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, right? Who decided to elbow a nine-year-old girl out of the way in a picture this weekend, by the way. Did you see that? I didn't see that specifically. Um, So remember in Texas 34, the the Mexican-American, the first Mexican-born member of Congress um, who won that special election the first time in like, what, 150 years? That a that a Republican had won. Yep. So at the swearing-in ceremony, her two children were there, standing next to Nancy Pelosi, and Nancy Pelosi is gestating and you know all that with her hands as she's wont to do. Right. She realizes that the nine-year-old daughter is kind of close to her, and to get space, she literally kind of nudges in and then elbows the girl out of the way. So you want to talk about compassion and and love for the love for women, right? Nothing says that like get the hell out of my way, you nine year old punk. Now the greatest part in this video is the nine year old looks at Nancy Pelosi like, "Are you kidding me?" and then just stands her ground. <laughs> like there you go, mom and dad are teaching you right. Nope, nope, nope. You're not pushing me around, Nancy Pelosi, but. She notes that Democrats are going to keep fighting ferociously to enshrine Roe versus Wade into law of the land. Okay. Okay. All right. How about we have that fight, Pat? How about we do? Yeah, by all means, let's let's have this fight. But then I got to thinking about that logic, right? Because what have we seen already from the left? When it comes to the just simply ruling on the Constitution and saying, no, the Constitution gives these things to the states to decide. This isn't for us to decide. This isn't for the president of the United States to decide, a governor to decide. This is for the people of the states 
to decide for themselves vis-a-vis the government apparatuses of their state. What has the left said about the states who have decided or decided long ago that, nah, I'm good, no abortion, right? Or in the case of Alabama, I think abortion's illegal after 15 weeks now, or is it eight weeks or six weeks or whatever it is? Uh, I believe it's a heartbeat, so whenever the heartbeat can be detected. Right, and there are other states who have differing standards for the ban of abortion. There are states who literally are going to allow you to kill your baby for any reason at any point in time up until uh, the moment the feet come out, right? Right. Okay, so then am I supposed to do what about that? So I I wonder this, Pat. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna fight ferociously to enshrine Roe versus Wade into law. It's a cruel ruling, uh outrageous, heart wrenching. It's a slap in the face to women about using their own judgment to make their own decisions about their reproductive freedom. And again, I have continuously made the argument that your your choice, your judgment, your um, decision about your reproductive freedom was to do what? Engage in sexual activity. You have all, if you're worried about pregnancy, you have all of the tools in your tool bag to avoid that if you so choose. If you so choose not to, There are consequences, potentially. Not all the time, by the way, but potentially there are consequences. There are consequences that don't involve a baby, by the way. You can get HIV, you could get all sorts of STDs, right? But I want you to think about what they're actually saying here, Pat, because what is the language that they've been using in this we're going to fight ferociously They advocate for the defying of state law, right? So the state of the state of Wisconsin, which reverts back to its pre-Roe stance, which was the ban of abortion, right? The advocation on the left is defy, not defy the the Supreme Court, but defy the state rule. And I got to thinking about this constitutionally, okay? Even if we were to have this national debate, right? And the Senate, the House, and the presidency were all Republican and uh, Big Baby got out of the way, right? And the actual pro-life movement wins, Would the left obey or defy? It would defy, right? I mean, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? And it would... So I'm not talking about back alley abortions and blah, blah, blah. What I am talking about is that they would just defy the law. They would go the route of nullification of the law. How do I know that? Well, let's take a look at what they've done with, um, and we're not talking back alley abortions. We're talking about they would would bring out a pregnancy center, right? 
that would do abortions. Well, how do I know that? Look at all the sanctuary cities of the United States of America that exist, right? Look at them all. Is that or is that not defying federal law? Yeah, it is. Look at all the states who have decided uh, that uh, marijuana should be legalized, whether you agree or disagree with that. That is defying federal law. Look at all the other things that the left has defied, quote-unquote, government, or more importantly, trampled on rights of other people. The Second Amendment, right? Look at how many times they've defied that. Look at the state of New York, right? They're going to defy this new court ruling that they just had on Thursday that we talked about on Friday's episode. Defy, defy, defy. And I got to thinking about this, Pat. We need mutually assured destruction in this company in this country in order to survive. Why do they call the um, the death of the filibuster the nuclear option? Because it's supposed to be mutually assured destruction if you got rid of the filibuster in the Senate, right? Right. So as a larger society, don't we also need that mutually assured destruction? And what is that mutually assured destruction? It's the Constitution. The Constitution is that pact that we have. That as much as we want to fight, as much as we want to talk about, I mean, look at the Federalist versus the Anti-Federalist. Look at uh, the creation of the Federal Reserve. Look at the centralized banking system in the United States of America. Look at the fights that we've had. But they've always been about the Constitution and around the Constitution. And I want to present to you two sides of this idea about the Constitution, Pat. Because I think it's vitally important to understand where we probably are as a society and why I don't care what the left has to say anymore about uh, legality on anything. I really don't. So I, I want you to hear this. Do you feel like Roe v. Wade was constitutional in the first place? Uh, I don't care about the Constitution, <laughs> to be completely honest. I really don't care. Um, I think that what we need to be doing is voting based on this, not having the Supreme Court making decisions about an old-ass document. I don't care. Now you might say, Pat, that's just a... Uh, but Andrew, I should say. That's just a, uh, a single individual's uh, thought process here. Right. But let's go back to the Second Amendment argument of Thursday. Right. We talked about Keith Olbermann. We talked about all these other people. What is, what have they wanted to do? Blow the Constitution up over the Second Amendment. They would like to pack the court to usurp the Constitution of the United States of America to do the bidding of leftist ideology. And I would make the same argument to the right. Then, no, you don't get to do that. There are places in which we have this constitutional fight. They're called legislative branches of the government. From the state to your local legislative branches to the federal legislative branches. That's where we have this fight. But did you know what she, did you notice what she said here? She doesn't care about the constitution. That's the crux of the matter here, Pat. 
and and There's I want you and I want to play. Hang on before you talk because I do want to play the other side of this coin. Okay. About the Constitution, it's not playing it. It is. Um, Steve Dace made a great argument on Twitter, and I couldn't have said it better myself. He says that one side cites the Constitution, other side doesn't care whatsoever about it. The social compact is therefore null and void when there are only two parties to it and one of them refuses to honor what was supposed to govern it. We are not a nation. We are on the brink. Now, to that point, Pat, I just more succinctly put it this way in my own notes. One side of this looks to the Constitution for its guidance. The other side would love to blow the Constitution up. How do you have a country in which your social compact, to Steve's point, is the Constitution? That is the framework of our social compact. We are supposed to have our arguments, but always within the framework of what is constitutional. But in the generation of me, right? I've talked about the church of me. The generation of me, it's I want, I want, I wanna, I wanna. In anything that limits your I wanna is bad, horrible, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, whatever phobic, right? How do you possibly have a country with that in the mix? And it's not a fringe element, by the way, Pat, right? Your thoughts here as we look at this this concept of, do we actually have a constitutional republic anymore, or just are we at an impasse? Well, first of all, the irony of, of that woman's statement of how she doesn't care about the Constitution, that we, this is something that we should all be voting on, you'll likely get to do that in your state at one, some point or another. Um, th that will likely be on balance at some point or another. I mean, you will have the opportunity to, to make your voice heard via the voting booth. Um, again, the SCOTUS did not make law. Okay. Right. They didn't make the law, but, right. but um, to your point, though, that this is my point, Pat. Right. You're participating in the Constitution of the United States with that vote. Right. That's, that's my point. It's, it's ironic. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, and then to Steve's point, I actually said something very similar on Twitter last night, where the the spirit of the age really is showing its ugly head, and and exposing the cultural war that that we have been in for for so long. Um, and and here's the thing, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. There really is no putting the genie back in the bottle at this point. No, that's fair. There, there, there could be no fence setters in this cultural war that we are in. And so my, my thing is, I think Steve's 100% right. We have one side that's pro-Constitution, the other side that doesn't give a crap one so bit about it whatsoever. But will weaponize the Constitution against the enemy, by the way. Right. They will use your framework when it is convenient for right. them. Right. There's no consistency there. And so... My thing is this, is it time to have that convention of states and and really sit down like, okay, do we do we really want to be a country anymore? Do we want to be a United States of America? 
because clearly we live in two very different societies. We have two opposing cultures within our society. You cannot share a society that that doesn't have the same basic moral principles and values that everyone else has. You can't because the moment you try, you, you, you inevitably end up here where we are at now. And this is not, this is not saying that you have to agree on everything. This is saying we should have at least the same principles and values on some level. We don't. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it's the same principles and values, Pat. Uh, I would go as basic as do we agree on the framework of our argument? That, that, that's a that's a better way of putting it. Do we agree that the framework is the Constitution of the United States of America? Here's the problem, though. To the left, the Constitution of the United States of America is a quote-unquote old-ass document of racist, homophobic, xenophobic, blah, blah, blah people, right? And therefore, it's a, it's a null and void document to them, right? To the right, it is wholly sacred. To people like myself, it's not wholly sacred because it can be amended. It can be modified. The problem is, for me, we have a society on both sides who would love to not work within the constitutional framework but use the constitution as a weapon against the other side when it is convenient to to them, like I've pointed out already. We don't even have enough people who would say, hang on a second here. Why don't we go through the proper channels of constitutional amendment? You know, okay, so so that's my point here. Okay, so to Nancy Pelosi, let's go ahead and have that fight. Because in order to have that fight, you cannot make this law nationally, by the way. That's the other thing that was put into this. The realization that this is a 10th Amendment and a 9th Amendment issue for the, um, for the Supreme Court. They didn't say that the government of the United States of America gets to make this decision, by the by. They said this is left to the states because of the enumerated powers clause, right? Because of the ninth, because of the Tenth Amendment. So with, with that in mind, the actual fight that would have to happen to make this into, quote-unquote, codified law of the United States of America is what? a new amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America, and that is done vis-a-vis what, Pat? Either a constitutional convention or a convention of the states. And we, ironically, in libertarian and right-leaning circles, have been calling for a convention of the states for a very long time when it comes to a lot of other things. When it comes to tax code, when it comes to a bunch of stuff. In fact, there's a great book by Mark Levin on this that you should really check out if you haven't already. That's where this fight is going to have to happen. So to Nancy Pelosi, to the left, ironically, you have to use the Constitution 
to try to make your case and to make your argument. Except for that's not what they want to do, right? They want to think of America as a pure democracy in which they get to vote. And they're going to try to use this as the wedge issue. Of course, it's already coming up. And we knew that this was going to come up, right? This is going to be all about November and the election and blah, 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 blah. But here's the rub. Six months from now, if people still suck at uh, being able to pay their bills or gas prices still suck, the economy still sucks, it's really hard for a lot of people in middle America and on the coast, by the way. This one ain't going to matter. The left is attempting to use this because it's the only weapon they have in their arsenal for November. And every time we've seen this, by the way, in just the just since the leak of the Supreme Court uh, decision back in, what was it, April? Yeah, uh, late April. Yeah. Um, and it, so I want you to think about that. Because we've seen, what, the passion cool off? The only people who are going to be passionate about this come November are the people who are already going to vote for you as a Democrat. How do you win? This isn't a winning issue. Kitchen table issues are always winning issues. But again, let's go ahead and have that, that fight, that discussion. Let's go ahead and have it, Nancy. Call for a convention in the states. Call for a constitutional convention. Go ahead and try to get it to pass. You're going to find out real quick that that's not going to fly. Well, 56% of the American people agree that they shouldn't overturn Roe versus Wade. Well, I don't think that's exactly the what people were talking about, but hey. Um, especially when you get into the the methodology and the um, the over uh, population of Democrats in these polls, and they're overpopulating Democrats by in some of these polls by twelve, thirteen points. They believe that Democrats represent like sixty five percent of the American public. Are you nuts? They might at best today represent forty five percent of the American public. Look at Florida, Pat. Just in registration, did you see that over the weekend? The Republican Party uh, went from a deficit yeah. in voter right. registration just a few years ago, just a few years ago when Ron DeSantis was elected governor. To what? They now hold a 1.5 million registration advantage. Over the Democrats in that state. 1.5 million. It is almost a 2 million swing, by the way. This has gone from a purple-ish, maybe a lean, uh, like closer to the blue side of purple, to literally one of the reddest states in America. Almost overnight, when it comes to how political machinery works. So do you really think that that's going to work in a convention of states? No. What about a constitutional convention? Oh, you mean the, the hmm, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, uh, but um, like 36, 37 of the states are controlled by which party again? 
The Republican Party. So you're going to try to end around the Constitution again by making a law in which now gets to be nullified by the Supreme Court. Because they've already told you that you don't get to make this law for the entire country. What power do you have to do that? None. Well, intrastate. No, exactly. Intrastate. You, ha- you, you have the right for interstate commerce. But before we get into anything more here, Pat, because uh, I think we've got a few other things that I want to hit on here. Why don't we go ahead and play the B or not the B? Try to put a little levity into this situation. Let's do it. Alrighty, you ready for today's headline? Yes, yes, I am. Alrighty then. Democrats suddenly saying woman as if everyone knows what it means. Democrats suddenly saying woman as if everyone knows what it means. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. That is a very critical question. But while I am thinking about that, uh, folks, we've been talking about Reviving Liberty, the brand new podcast uh, that I am putting together. Pat is also helping um, on uh, some of the back end stuff. Um, But yeah, it is a brand new podcast, uh, a brand new experience in the political sphere. Um, So I want you to hear what Reviving Liberty is going to be all about. John Adams once said, but a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. Nearly 250 years after Adams famously wrote those words to his wife, have you been left wondering if liberty is indeed lost forever? Many people are feeling that way. And who can blame them when they hear things like, History is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. With talk like that, maybe liberty is dead. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're gonna, there's going to be a new world order out there. Or is it? From the people behind the number one critical thinking podcast in the world comes Reviving Liberty, a podcast experience unlike anything you've heard before. Join your host, Andrew Coppins, on a path towards rediscovering what liberty is and how we can apply it in today's age of darkness and tyranny. Get ready for a liberty mindset in your life. Andrew will be with you soon, taking the first steps on the path toward reviving liberty with you. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and engage with the show by visiting revivingliberty.com and follow Andrew on social media at The Coppin Show. And on that note, uh, Pat, can you give me the headline one more time? Alrighty then. Democrats suddenly saying woman as if everyone knows what it means. This is a really, really tough one. Am I going to go with not the B, though? Are you sure? No, I am not sure on this one because this is really tough. 
I mean, it is true in some respects that Democrats have suddenly figured out what a woman is um, and, and, and they suddenly got it when it involved. Um, wait for this, Pat. Um, their womanly bits. Mm-hmm. And also, so, uh, uh, what's a birthing person, right? Oh, it's a yeah. woman. Oh, so I'm going to so, go with not uh, to be on this one. Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'm probably wrong, but it, it's my final answer. Well, you are correct in that you are wrong. Oh, you bastard. Uh, the full headline is weird. Democrats suddenly saying woman today is if everyone knows what it means. Uh, following the overturning of Roe versus Wade, Democrats nationwide have been accusing the Supreme Court of taking rights from women. Onlookers have confirmed this to be confusing as it seems to suggest that Democrats do, in fact, know what a woman is. Women have less freedom than their mothers. Nancy Pelosi took the stand to defend women's rights to make their own reproductive decisions. Onlookers found themselves befuddled by the rhetoric about the women's right to choose, since Pelosi should have no way of knowing what a woman is since she's not a biologist. Uh, Trans activists have come to the opposition to this timely recollection of what a woman is decrying Pelosi's exclusionary transphobic language. One activist, Jesse Wolfshine, explained that inclusion of trans people starts with the in- insure or, or the, er- the erasure of women. Uh, eyewitnesses confirmed that MX Wolfshine backpedaled and looked flushed when she realized that she had used the word woman. Walking back, walking back her statement, only after women are gone, we can progress. I mean, uterist people, since that's a woman part. I mean, that's a birthing person part. Eyewitnesses confirm that Miss MX Wolfshine still looks flustered while trying to erase women without using transphobic language, but still accidentally says woman after every two or three elaborate euphemisms for women. Um, th- this, this brings to question, by the way, um, now that, uh, you know, they're using the term woman again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, how, um, how, how do, how do men feel about, uh, Roe versus Wade because they they can have they can have babies now too right, right right, uh, yeah it's one of the, it's one of the top five dumbest arguments of the left right uh, you're right. a man you have no way no 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 say in this okay but, but we it does take uh, me myself and I and you yourself and you to be able to tango and create a baby right, right. and I'm not saying that I have more rights or just as equal rights because it is not living inside of my body right i understand that but to say that you have no say is right it's utterly ridiculous because Mm. i was the one who had a 50 percent say in making sure that that baby was made um now that doesn't mean that i could be able to force an abortion on somebody or not force an abortion on somebody necessarily um but at the same point in time um we have talked about this over and over again how the rights of the father are never recognized by the state in in the even close to a similar way. Now, the other thing about the Constitution here, Pat, that I got to thinking about is 
How dare you overturn precedent? Right? And we've talked about this probably at least a half a dozen times because I think this is the most ridiculous of all of the arguments. Because, hey, you want to have that argument about the Constitution, right? Being an old-ass document and you don't want to follow it. Great. Let's have that out. Let's go ahead. Either it's national divorce or, or get with the program, right? But what I can't stand is, the, oh, how dare you overturn precedents, right? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Then again, is that really surprising from a party who has a long history of what? Defiance of precedents. So, wait a minute. If a court deems something legal for you to do, right? Like, um, like um, separate but equal, Pat. Um, that happened once before, right? It sure did. Hmm, okay, and in, in uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, right? It sure did. Hmm. And then there was this Brown versus Board of Education that came out. This decision from a unanimous Supreme Court in 1954, four years before my own father was born, by the way, and mother. Um, what the hell happened back then? I, I thought to myself, okay, so these people who are not so loving of the Constitution, were they loving of the Constitution back in 1954 too, right? Like, what... What about these other precedents that were overturned? Because the left loves themselves, the DEI, right? The diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Mm. Are they really going to be ones to defy the Constitution, the United States of America now? Well, again, let's look at history. That decision, Brown versus Board of Education, came on May 17th of 1954. Immediately, James Eastland, senator from Mississippi, one of the most powerful senators, at least from the South, declared that the South will not abide by nor obey this legislative decision by a political body. If if I just if I left out whom spoke this. Would you believe that to be Nancy Pelosi or James Eastland? You would believe it to be Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, probably. I was going to say, if you left it out, Nancy Pelosi. So when these people talk about morality, when they talk about these other subjects, right? When they talk about things that are even outside of the Constitution, I want you to think about this. This is from the same party who told you in 1954, disobey. A moral and constitutionally sound decision by the Supreme Court of the United States of America, correcting an absolute moral and constitutionally bankrupt decision by the Supreme Court previously, overturning quote-unquote precedent. Senator Harry Byrd of Virginia said this, the most serious blow that has yet been struck against the rights of the states in a matter vitally affecting their authority and welfare, right? The right, or not the right, excuse me, the left back then, because that's what the Democrats were, by the way. 
from the 1840s to 1955, 1956, 1959, 1960s, 1970s, we're still arguing states' rights for, for slavery. And then, well, if it's not slavery, it's separation and segregation, right? States' rights, Pat. August of 1954, the Virginia governor, Thomas Banchin Stanley, created a commission to conspire to defy Brown. So when we talk about this from a moral perspective, Pat, I want you to be prepared out there to understand that these people will morally defy the, the sickness has always been within this party. Not the sickness of defying for the sake of a moral good. A sickness of defying in pursuit of a moral evil. Slavery was a moral evil. They would defy in pursuit of that moral evil. 1954, segregation in schools, effectively ending segregation, period, amen. They defy. 1960s. Mid-60s, right? The, the pursuit of the civil rights agenda and the, the passage of amendments to the Constitution of the United States of America, right? Defy for the pursuit of what is not morally right, not morally good for society, but in defiance so that moral evil gets to continue. Now, in that 1954 commission, they wanted to hold that school attendance should not be compulsory. Money should be allocated to parents as tuition grants if they opposed integration. So they were going to do what? Fund students, not systems, only to oppose integration, not for the betterment of everybody, right? So if you were black in, in Virginia in 1954 and you opposed integration, you wanted an all-black school, could you have gotten that funding? Nope. And they also authorized local school boards to assign students to schools themselves. By 1956, Senator Byrd of Virginia had created a coalition of nearly 100 Southern politicians to sign on to a Southern manifesto to resist the implementation of Brown. On February 25th of 1956, Senator Byrd called for massive resistance, a collection of laws passed in response to the Brown decision that aggressively tried to forestall and prevent school integration. At every level, they were attempting to defy, not for a moral betterment of society, but in pursuit of that spirit of the age that existed back then. Now, we have largely fought that spirit of the age off. It is now manifesting itself because the devil always manifests itself in the spirit of the age. In this day and age, in abortion, and in perversion of our society writ large, the quote-unquote trans rights movement, 
And now we're having to accept Nambla, right? And uh, we have to accept um, that young kids being not even exposed, but participatory in adult kink and perversion is normal. Uh, we have to do that because we have to normalize this. Be This is normal. No, it's not. Not even within the gay community is that normal behavior. Now, the Massive Resistance Doctrine included a law that punished any public school that integrated by eliminating the state funding and closing the schools. The white population in the South massively attempted to nullify the Supreme Court's decree. Whites were setting up private academies to educate their children, using public funds to support the attendance of their children, until the use of public funds was successfully challenged in the court. Segregationists would then try to intimidate black families by threats of violence and economic reprisals if you brought a case. Now, May 1st, 1959, and in order to integrate its schools, officials in Prince Edward County, Virginia, closed their entire public school system instead of integrating. They closed it all. The entire public school system remained closed for the next five years, Pat. Until 1964. In September of 1958, just a month before my parents were born, schools in Norfolk, Char uh, Char Charlottesville, in Warren County, Virginia, were on the verge of integration via the court orders they closed it by state official decree. Now, the Virginia Supreme Court overturned those school closure laws. The General Assembly would then turn around and say school attendance is optional. Central High School in Little Rock became a staging ground for that alarming picture of democracy, right? The Little Rock Nine. Right? We know that. We know that story. At least you should, and if you don't, look it up. It's the nine kids the nine black children who integrated into the Little Rock, Little Rock School District, right? The response to the presence of those nine children was so violent that President Eisenhower called the National Guard in. It resulted in Cooper versus Aaron in the Supreme Court ruling in reaffirmation of Brown and telling it's the obligation of the states to follow the mandate of the U.S. Supreme Court to desegregate the schools. LDF. Check this out, Pat. Sued, so that's the Legal Defense Fund, sued hundreds of school districts across the country to vindicate the promise of Brown. They did not win until later victories in 1968, and 1971, issuing mandates that segregation be dismantled root and branch. It wasn't until 1971 that a decision that came about in 1954, 1954 to 1971, that moral evil would still be fought and defied to the core. These people would defy 
the moral good and the constitutional good for a pursuit of the spirit of the age. To hold on to what? Superiority. So I bring this up because the, the left talks about nullification of the Constitution today. The left talks about this. The left talks about that. And to many people on our side of the aisle, this is a new argument that the left is bringing up. Except for the left has always believed this. The left, at every turn, has fought the moral good for the vindication of their moral evil. And I'm not saying that the Democratic Party is evil. I am saying that leftism is evil. The left has always believed in racial superiority. The left has always believed in eugenics. The left has always believed in what? The pursuit of their aim over our supposedly agreed upon framework of our fight. Because here's the difference between America and other countries, right? Because when I think about this, Pat, right, I always ask, okay, so what is a what is a breakup? What does a national divorce look like? What the hell does that actually look like? I can't come up with the answer because America was never a a society or a country that has just been rooted in ethnicity, right? Never really that way. It was about ideas and ideals in so much as the colonization of America was that way. You had Maryland, a much more Catholic uh, place. You had Pennsylvania set up as a Quaker place. You had Plymouth and later Massachusetts Bay in a much more um, Anglican way, right? Or, you know, various other ways of life, setting up those 13 colonies. There were all ideas and ideals that came together under this one framework eventually, but a framework that was about compromise because if we know anything about the, uh, the, the Declaration of Independence, right, we know that there were 27 reasons given for – or 27 usurpations, if you will, right? There were 27 reasons given for the breakup with, with Great Britain, Correct. How many people know that are actually were 28, but it was the 28th, which was that the king put slavery upon the people of the United States of America, and it is evil. How many people know that that 28th one was actually in the original Declaration of Independence? And it was only taken out so that unanimous vote of South Carolina and Georgia would be allowed in. How many people know that that was the compromise at the time? I didn't even know that. Yeah, that actually. So when we go next uh, on Friday and talk about the the Declaration of Independence, because we won't be here on the Fourth of July nor uh, next week. Period on this show, we're we're going to take a break. Um, but I want people to understand this: we were always an idea or ideals, a set of ideals that we haven't always lived up to. And we always haven't achieved, but by and large, it's been this compromise around these ideas and ideals. We're no longer there. And we, I would argue, have not been there since probably the early 1900s, by the way. This is not something that has come about overnight and just flipped the switch. 
we have seen the left use largely the Democrat Party throughout various uh, incarnations of the Democratic Party, right? The the Democratic Party that believed in in the Union socialist socialist movement in the 1850s through or 1840s into the 1880s, then transformed into the Progressive Era, then is transformed now into the Socialist Era again. They have always believed in what? Basically, nullification, disobedience of the Constitution of the United States of America. I I, I always thought about this, Pat. You know, every time that they that a moral good was done vis-a-vis court order, right? Vis-a-vis the Supreme Court saying, you know what? No, we screwed up. And we're ordering you as a state, you as a whatever entity, to stop doing this moral evil because it's unconstitutional, number one, and also a really bad moral thing. The answer has always been to defy what is morally good. They will even go so far, Pat, as to use the people of Freakonomics, right? You, you've heard about the, the podcast, right? Freakonomics and, oh, and yeah. all these other yeah, people, yeah. right? Well, it turns out that they're largely leftists. They have made the attempt to to make the case of abortion being a moral good because uh, crime, right? We I don't know if you've ever heard heard that, but I have literally seen people all over my Facebook feed talking about the episode in which Freakonomics points out, largely from a data analysis standpoint, totally inaccurately. That uh, take a look at what happened from Roe versus Wade, right? Uh, uh, the day that that happened to whatever date, right? They look at crime statistics and all this other stuff, and they they come to the conclusion that uh, it's um, largely due to the fact that uh, the the poor kids who are being aborted um, are aborted. That's why our crime numbers are going down. It's one of the most flimsy arguments I've ever seen or heard. But that's how far they're willing to go in support of this, right? They're they're willing to to do anything to support this. They're willing to go down the road of, if you don't abort this baby, it will be a criminal. That's a denial of one of the basic tenets of being a a human being, free will. Are you you suggesting that 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 poor child is just going to become a criminal because he was born poor or because he was born a certain race or... Now, statistically speaking, are you more likely to commit crime as a poor individual? Sure. Sure. But 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 here's so you're going to justify that that abortion prevents crime by committing the crime of killing somebody else? Right. It's not just that. It's sense. the other flimsy economic arguments that they attempt to make about abortion as if See, you should you should support abortion because it is an economic and social good for our society. It's the same argument that eugenicists would make. Literally, I could play Margaret Margaret Sanger or um, George Bernard Shaw, and then play Freakonomics next to it, and it would sound very eerily similar. It's also the same argument that we get from the people of Iceland, right? And I want to play this before we leave here today. 
I know this is a long episode, but I want you to hear this because we're talking about the morality issue right now, right? Because we've talked about the constitutionality. We've, we've sprinkled a little morality in there. But this is how sick the left is when it comes to this idea of abortion. This is how far they're willing to go to defy and to make it sound as if they're in the moral majority here. The mother before, during, and after the child. And I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially, emotionally, physically for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And their mothers and, their, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they've considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help because that's how lonely they feel, because they can't get other jobs, because they have financial issues, because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers. And so why can I be Catholic and still think this is a wrong decision? Because I'm American. I'm Catholic inside the church. I'm Catholic when it comes to me. But there's a lot of Americans who are not Catholic and are not Christian and are not Baptist. And you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Nobody does. Ladies, uh, obviously. Now, I've got a few things to say on this, and I'm going to start with the I'm Catholic in the church. I'm not Catholic. Out. You that you're doing Catholicism 1000 percent wrong. Um, you're you doing live Catholicism wrong. in your everyday life or you don't. Or you're not Catholic. You don't get to be Catholic when you're sitting in the pews and then do whatever the hell you want to do. That is the definition of the church of me. That is literally the definition of the church of me that exists within Catholicism, that exists within almost every Christian sect, within almost the majority of Muslim sects, by the way, here in the United States of America. I, I, I you know what? I believe my Catholicism when I'm sitting in the pew, but um, I don't live it when I, what the hell are you talking about? Catholicism in Mormon belief, right? The reason why the Catholic Church exists here in the United States or exists in Latin America or exists whatever is because of evangelicalism, of going on missions, on being Catholic in your everyday life, living the words spoken in the pews and in the from the pulpits and from uh, Holy Moses, Mary and Joseph. Furthermore. Um, she's talking about the how she has relatives that have all sorts of defects or disabilities, what have you, mm -hmm. as if that's some kind of justification of, hey, we should have abortion to prevent these things. Uh, wait, and wait prevent, to Iceland, you know, the situation, right? Right. Because, again, if you don't understand what we're talking about when we're talking about Iceland, I hope you understand this in Iceland. They they are proud to have eliminated Down syndrome from, quote unquote, society. How do they accomplish that? Considering uh, being a Down syndrome baby is a byproduct of biology, 
that you can't really control, right? As a byproduct of your DNA, um, they murder the baby before it's born. That's how they eliminate Down syndrome. You, you, you die. That's evil. Period, point blank, that's evil. And I'm going to speak on this from a very, very personal level. And I've talked about this before on the show. I had an uncle who was mentally retarded. This is one of the greatest joys of my life. Was it a struggle? Was it hard? Sometimes it was very fearful to be around him because he had the strength of a 65-year-old man but thought he was four. What does, a te- what does a temper tantrum of a 65-year-old man look like, right? It's very different than a four-year-old, which you can easily control. But the suggestion that because life would be hard with that individual. So should we kill anybody who has a predilection to drug addiction? Right, because, hey, guess what? Drug addiction runs in your family or alcoholism runs in the family, right? Should we kill anybody that has chronic depression? Should we kill anybody who is born with a cleft palate? Should we kill anybody who is born cross-eyed? Their life is going to be difficult. What about those who are born with a genetic defect that um, they're uh, born with webbed feet? Or how about uh, somebody who's born with uh, one... As they grow, one side of their body develops faster than the other. Or should we kill somebody that has cerebral palsy? Huh. Gee, I wouldn't be here if that were the case. Yeah, and you can you can speak to this on a very personal level, right? The suggestion that this is just the most insulting suggestion uh, in the moral preening of people like Anna Navarro who try to wrap themselves in their Catholicism, in their Christianity, to make the case of, I'm a good moral person, so listen to me, right? Look, we're all sinners. We all have moral failings in our lives. But there's no greater moral failing than suggesting that you're morally superior or intellectually superior or um, physically superior to somebody who's got a special need. Somebody who's autistic doesn't deserve to live because it's hard on mom and dad. You know what also is hard on mom and dad? Mom and dad being laid off and having to fend and try to provide for a baby, period. That's hard. Oh, you know what the argument really is, Pat? It's that just you Christians and you Catholics don't give a shit about the life after it's born. How many Catholic hospitals exist, Pat? Tons. Okay. How many Catholic adoption agencies exist? How about pregnancy centers? Also tons. How about um, Catholic-run food pantries? Tons. How about uh, battered women's shelters? How about uh, homeless shelters? How about this, Pat? Um, Um... Nursing homes. Literally, the mission of the Catholic Church is social justice. 
not the perverted version of social justice that exists in the Catholic Church and outside society today, but in the justice that is the dignity of life and that we should be providing for those who cannot help themselves. That is the mission of the church, by the way. It's why we have schools, hospitals, women's shelters, food pantries, every aspect of life, every aspect of life is something the Catholic Church is involved in. Every aspect of it, from literally cradle to grave, literally cradle to grave. But it is done through the generosity and the dignity of other humans helping other humans. Not at the behest of government demand to do so, which is always the argument of the left. So stop with your moral, you don't care about this, you don't care about that. Really? Really? Are you? Are, my faith does it, and so is yours, Pat. Right? Mm. Your faith has a lot of charitable giving. It does, th- does it through its missions. It does it through a lot of different things. We also have, you know, the the food banks and the. Mm-hmm. We also have we have adoption, um, mm-hmm. aid, like like an agency side of things. I don't know if the Catholic Church has that or not. I'm assuming oh, they do. Hundred percent. There, yeah, there's Catholic they do. Adop- adoption agencies everywhere. Right. So you know we we have the whole kit and caboodle of of basically from birth. Till death. Yeah. Quote, unquote, the uh, the services that are going to be needed to support the child that you think should be dead anyway. Right. Literally, we have that support. And it's done on a human-to-human level, not on a, at the uh, behest of government level. It just... How do you get I, – I guess for me, the, the thing that I come back to is how do you get to this point from a moral standpoint? How do you, how do you suggest knowing the dignity of the life of your uh, step-grandson and your brother, right? You're, are you suggesting your brother's life does not have dignity? Because you if that this- is the case, then go ahead and murder him. Mm. What, what does it matter? His life is not worth it. Oh, Wait. That's the mission of the Catholic Church, and that's the belief of your quote-unquote faith that you practice in the church, is that all human life has dignity. That is the root of Christianity. It is the root of most Muslim faiths. It is the root of Judaism. As By the way, it's the root of Hindu and Buddhist belief as well. That human life has dignity. But but for but for the leftists in this in the in the leftist ideology. By the way, that's Anna Navarro of the uh, quote unquote Republican Party. But notice how left the Republican Party really is. Right, right. My 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 point is is that you know especially when it comes down to from what she was speaking about, she was talking about convenience. She wasn't talking about dignity. Yeah. It the was convenience convenient. of my life is more important than your ability to live. Right. Let's have that argument. Go ahead. I will tell you this. Having somebody who in my family has had a very large special need, right? A need for care 24-7, 365 or 366 days out of the year. 
I look back at his life and I remember some of the difficult times. I really do. But overall, there was way more joy brought to my life, way more dignity. Without him, I don't get involved with Special Olympics. I don't get involved in all of the things that I had been involved in and continue to try to be involved in with, with people with special needs. Their life has dignity. Their life has meaning. Their life has purpose, just like yours does. It just looks different. It, they need help. So what? And guess what? Your job as a parent is to sacrifice, whether that is for your child that is perfectly healthy and, or not. And you also can't tell me that you haven't needed help at times in your life, too. And it's been an inconvenience for somebody else to help you. So it's the, the, the logic there is just it's so incredibly flawed and immoral. Um, it's it's rather disgusting, really. It really is. It is absolutely disgusting. Coming from the people who at every point in time when, again, the moral good, along with the constitutionally sound, have been done by the Supreme Court, have done what? Defied. So lest you think you're on the right side morally or otherwise, take a look at what they're asking you to do. Defy? Now, I will say this, Pat. If that defiance is in pursuit of moral good, go ahead. There's one thing that we can learn from the left. Now, I look at this from the perspective of, of one other thing that I had written down. Should we fight to stay together as a country or focus on defining liberty for our own futures? That can be the defiance that I am talking about. Oh, you want government control, right? That's what they want for everything, right? You want to go down the socialist leftist policy uh, persuasion as a country? Do it. I'm going to focus on me, myself, and I, and living as much of a liberty-based mindset and a liberty-based liberty life as I possibly can. And that is in direct defiance to your government top-down life. It's really kind of a funny timing situation for us to be releasing uh, Reviving Liberty, right? It really is. We are literally about to give you a blueprint to defy the spirit of the age, to defy those who wish tyranny and darkness upon us. We're literally giving you that blueprint as they want tyranny and darkness. We're giving you the way out of that with re, uh, reviving liberty. That's what's coming your way. So go ahead and find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, <clears throat> basically Spotify, um, any podcasting platform that you use, reviving liberty. Look it up, follow it. Uh, it'll drop the first episode tomorrow, which will be the introductory, introductory episode. Um, that drops tomorrow, and we'll go from there. So join us on that journey. Until then, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And thank goodness Roe versus Wade is dead. Yes. Life wins. Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. Please visit revivingliberty.com for all of your needs on that show or more information on the show that's coming your way. And again, please spread the word. Tell other people. Pass it along. 
Um, put the link into your uh, Twitter life today or your getter life or whatever. But go to revivingliberty.com. You'll see the very first uh, trailer for it. You'll get, get some understanding. And on that note, as always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.